Hello and welcome to another episode of the Breachside Broadcast, home of the finest voxcasting either side of the breach. On today's episode, we continue the story of Sandeep Desai as he seeks a solution to the problems of a man plagued by Garmin. His search has brought him to Rasputina, who is leading them to an abandoned mine outside of Malifaux. I hope you enjoy the conclusion of Against the Wind, right after this word from our sponsor. This episode of the Breachside Broadcast is brought to you by the town of Bastion Hills. The town council seeks adventurers to clear the mine of monsters and make it safe for miners again. Any party willing to assist us in this endeavour will be richly rewarded if they survive. Please apply at Bastion Hills Town Hall with a CV and a completed will. The river rolled black and putrid out of Malifaux. The barge Rasputina commandeered chugged along, spewing an oily cloud out of its chimney and leaving shimmering pools swirling in its wake. The pair of Shasta Vidya guards that Sandeep brought stood stiff attention at the front, their eyes scanning the shoreline. Sandeep stayed close to them, with Lohith at his side. Rasputina's cultists lounged around the barge, staring icily at the guards, snarling whenever their eyes met. Rasputina huddled at the front of the barge. Where are we going? Sandeep asked. The Bastion Hills Mine, she responded. An early interest of the guild, established shortly after the second opening of the breach. A meagre vein of soulstones, accessible only by water and a good hike. They were forced to abandon it before a road could be dug. Abandon it? Yes an unmanageable Garmin infestation beyond anything a natural population could explain. The miners insisted the Garmin were drawn to the place. What's the phrase you used? Metal filings to a lodestone? Rasputina smirked. We may learn something of what's causing Mr. Bart's problems. Are you sure this is wise? Sandeep cast a glance in Lohit's direction. If the place is crawling with Garmin, won't they overwhelm us? I think his troubles stem from fear more than anything else, Rasputina said. Strength of spirit is the key to mastering that fear. And besides, he has two who control Garmin at his side. Or are we actually talking about your fear, Sandeep? Do not test me, Rasputina. There is a difference between fear and reasoned caution. I do not wish to risk this man's life if it will serve no purpose. Your friend has risked his life just by coming here. It seems he is willing to pay the necessary price. You could learn something from him. Sandeep didn't answer. His fingers brushed the cold haft of his garter. 
the anger trapped within surging briefly through his skin. He took a deep breath. We shall see, he mused. We shall see. Rasputina directed them to an abandoned dock, whose timbers had long since gone soft and melted into the river. They were forced to wade the last few feet, Sandeep regretting the loss of his wellingtons in the fire as they splashed to the shore. The cultists and video guards stayed with the raft, as much to keep the owner from fleeing as to protect it from marauders. Rasputina, Sandeep, and Lohith gathered the small provisions that they had brought and started to hike into the hills. How did they find this place? Sandeep asked. A lucky strike. One of those sad souls who wanders into the wilds of Malifaux, hoping to die or escape whatever demon drove them there. Once the guild learned of it, they swept in and took over. And the lucky striker? Less lucky, Rasputina answered. Though the mine's trouble started shortly thereafter, so perhaps he was the fortunate one after all. The Bastion Hill's prospect town lay in ruins. The wooden shelters and plank sidewalks had rotted away, leaving soft remnants in the mud. Lohith peered through the quiet wreckage. When did you say this mine was abandoned? he asked. Not ten years. The wilds of Malifaux are quick to reclaim what is theirs. The mine is this way, Rasputina said. Lohith followed closely, though Sandeep lingered. I see no signs of a garment infestation, Sandeep said. I thought you said the prospect was crawling with spirits. The mine, not the town. Here. Rasputina pulled aside a plywood barrier, the wood turning brittle in her fingers. A fell crack in the stone mountain appeared among the bracken. Rasputina rummaged through her pack, finally producing an oil lamp, which she lit and handed to Sandeep. Stay near. The interior of the cave was cold and damp, even in the heart of summer. Sandeep's flickering lantern cast sharp shadows across the stones. Glittering soulstone dust covered the floor and walls, the remnants of the strike, though the spent dust carried no power on its own. The guild must have been desperate to scramble through these rocks for such a meagre vein, he whispered. The guild doesn't hold the lives of their slaves in high regard, Rasputina said. Even meagre power is worth the risk. It was only when their guards began to die that they pulled out. Is it wise for us to be here? Lohith asked. You left wisdom behind when you crossed the breach, Rasputina answered. The tunnel burrowed deep into the earth, twisting and winding as it followed the excavated soulstone vein. Finally, they came to a shaft that led straight down. Across the chasm, the tunnel continued straight and seemed to widen soon after. Tandeep stood at the edge of the pit, looking down. A set of rusty iron rungs led into the darkness. I do not fancy climbing down that, he said. That ladder looks as likely to collapse as hold our weight. You would have trouble catching your breath, old man, Rasputina said. She tossed a pebble into the pit. Ripples washed away from it as soon as it crossed the open floor, and then the pebble floated lazily down until it disappeared. The pit was flooded with water so clear and so pure, it was impossible to see. Sandeep took a step back. 
So we're not going that way, he said. No. Our path lies ahead. Rasputina stepped to the edge of the pit, closing her eyes and spreading her fingers to the ceiling, as soon as I make the way. The already chill air took on winter's bite. Sandeep's breath drew dragged in his chest. A wave of frost stretched out from Rasputina's feet, covering the clear pool of water, freezing it solid. When the cold passed, she stepped out onto the ice. We mustn't tarry. Something is hindering December's touch. I'm not sure how long that will hold. Hardly reassuring, Sandeep muttered to himself. He escorted Lohith across the ice, and nearly stumbled into Rasputina. The young mage was standing agape in the entrance to the next chamber. I think I've found the problem, she said. The narrow tunnel opened up into a broad cavern. The roof was lost in a bristling thatch of stalactites that dripped with sulfurous ooze, and the walls were jagged, frequently cut with crevices and cracks that ran through the floor. A dim vein of soulstone sketched its way through the opposite wall. Its weak aura flickered in the darkness, the last vestiges of the mine strike hardly worth scratching out of the stone. No wonder the guild abandoned this, Sandeep said. It draws me, Lohith whispered. Such power, such brilliance. Are you blind? There is barely a fleck of soulstone there. No, he's right. Rasputina held the lantern high, casting bright light across the cavern. There is power here, buried just beyond the rock, power and trouble in equal parts. Garmin of darkness and earth slouched around the chamber, dripping out of the cracks in the walls and clinging to the narrow stones above. Their shadow-dark bodies merged with the stones, swallowing the light from Sandeep's lantern, their eyes glittering. For a brief moment the Garmin shied away from the light, then, as one, they turned and started lumbering toward the trio. This was a mistake, Lohith shouted. Sandeep grabbed him by the arm before he could run. We have come this far, and we will stay with you. Trust me. You didn't come to Malifaux to run away. Sandeep handed the lantern to Lohith, then swung the garter into his hands, the heavy brass smacking against the palm of his hand. There is always struggle before rest. All we need to do is hold them off for a bit. If your friend can draw energy from that soul stone, I'm willing to bet he will gain control of his talent. Rasputina flicked her fingers, and an aura of frost enveloped her. You get him there. I will draw the attention of the Garmin. Sandeep dove forward, swing his garter in wide, scything arcs around his head. The Garmin scattered. Shadow and stone shattering under the mace's weight. He fought his way forward, inch by inch, keeping his mind settled and his form aligned to the spirit in the guarder's heart. Banasuva struggled against his control, trying to fill Sandeep's mind with rage. Not now, my friend. There is a time for anger. Not now, Sandeep whispered. The spirit roared under his hands, but he held it in check. Behind him, Rasputina lashed out at the crowds of Garmin. Lances of ice darted through the air, exploding into clouds of cutting frost that froze the Garmin in place. The air hung with glimmering shards of ice, 
reflecting the light from Lohit's lantern. Sandeep pressed forward. A clutch of Garmin rushed him, scrabbing at him with black-limbed claws, hoping to overcome him with their numbers. Sandeep laid the head of his garter into the face of the first Garmin, and then slid the long haft of the mace through his hands, spearing the second Garmin in the throat. The spirit burst into wisps of lingering shadow, each one sizzling against a stone as they settled to the floor. The third Garmin grabbed Lohith by the shoulders, and roaring, tried to close its gaping maw over the man's head. Lohith screamed, lashing out with the lantern, crashing the brass cage against the shimmering darkness of the spirit's face. The Garmin hissed and skittered back, right into Sandeep's mace. Be careful, Sandeep snapped. Without that light, they will surely overwhelm us. There was no time for apologies. The further into the cavern they fought, the thicker the resistance. Garmin reached out of the stone floor to grasp at their ankles, or slithered from between rocky pillars to claw at their eyes. Sandeep kept them at bay, but by the time they reached the soulstone vein, both he and Lohith were bleeding from a dozen wounds. Sandeep turned his back to the vein, and prepared to defend Lohith. The Garmin swarmed just out of reach, taunting him. Quickly, touch the stone and draw its power. If Rasputina is correct, it will allow you to control the Garmin. One of the spirits of darkness flowed forward, its limbs liquid and fast as lightning, its mouth a constellation of tiny teeth. Sandeep caught the squirming Garmin with the haft of his garter, pushing it away, as the spirit's claws danced over his chest. Sharp pain filled his head, and Banasuva's rage nearly overpowered him. He shoved the Garmin back, crushing it with the garter as it fell away. He whirled on Lohith. The man was tentatively beside the soulstone vein, one hand at his mouth, the other gripping the lantern, his face twisted with uncertainty. There is no time to fear and less to waste, Sandeep shouted. She has brought us too deep. If you don't learn to control this, it will destroy you. It will destroy all of us. All I want is to escape out from under this burden. I don't want to fight, or summon, or have anything to do with this, with any of it. Though he threw a startled look at Sandeep. You're trying to force me, to change me. I am not a warrior. None of us are until we don't have a choice. Now, if you want to live... Sandeep shrugged off a Garmin that was trying to drag the guard from his hands, knocking it to its back and grinding the brass head of the weapon onto the creature's chest until it popped open. He turned back to Lohith. If you want to live, you must fight. Now. Lohith tore his frightened gaze from the destroyed Garmin, then closed his eyes and placed the hand on the saltstone vein. The thin fingers of the vein pulsed at his touch. A brief light shone in the heart of the soul stone, and then a coruscating mist swirled around Lohith, enveloping him. The grey rock that held the vein started to crumble away. Yes, I can feel it. I understand. It is like... like breathing underwater. You do not force breath from your mouth, but release it. Lohith's voice took on a dreamy quality. As he stood there, the thin remnants of the soulstone vein grew, emerging from the rock like a thunderhead growing over the mountains. Lohith breathed deeply, in and out. The light that danced around him stabilized, marching to his heartbeat. 
Sandeep stared in wonder at the hidden soul stone. With a howl, the mob of Garmin rushed forward, overwhelming Sandeep. He raised his guard too late, and the force of their charge sent him tumbling to the ground. But the spirits weren't after him. They scrambled over his fallen body, shadowy claws digging into his flesh as they leapt towards Lohith and toward the stone. Lohith turned toward them. His eyes glowed with the same brilliant light that swirled at the center of the soul stone. He raised his hands and gestured. The Garmin fell back from Sandeep, watching Lohith with glittering eyes. Lohith smiled, then started to laugh. The sound shook the cavern walls. Well done, Sandeep. Rasputina's voice came from the mouth of the cavern. As the crowds of Garmin parted, she walked toward them. Though she looked battered, it seemed that Rasputina had survived the worst of the attack with little harm. Now if we can get him to commune with them, we might even be able to reclaim this place. Tell me, Mr. Bart, what you feel of the vein's potential. Sandeep stood warily, watching Lohith. The power washing off the man was too much for any mortal to hold. It is deep, deep and wide, flowing like a river, like a flood. Trouble flickered over Lohith's face, and then pain. It is drawing me to it. You must bend it to your will, Sandeep said. Lohith's eyes flickered and his face grew slack. Lohith, can you hear me? You must fight it if... Sandeep never got to finish his sentence. Lohith screamed, and then his hand disappeared into the stone. The luminescent fog hardened. It became bands of burning light. It drew Lohith into the stone like quicksand. No, I won't let you. Sandeep grabbed Lohith's shoulder, but the contact filled him with pain, and he fell to the ground, twitching and mad. When he had regained himself, all he could see of the man was his face, pressed against the surface of the soul stone. His mouth moved in silent supplication, the tears streaming from his eyes swirling with arcane power. Rasputina stood mute, staring at the vein. What have we done? Sandeep muttered. What have you done, woman? You've killed him. He wasn't strong enough, she answered. I thought it could be done. I thought it could be controlled. We have to get this stone out of here. Get it back to Malifaux, Sandeep said. If I can study in more proper conditions, I might be able to save him. If we stay here, we'll die as well, Rasputina said. She looked back at the mob of Garmin. As they watched, tendrils of bright light burrowed through the flesh of the nearest spirits. Their bodies twisted and grew, until they were facing a horde of golems rather than Garmin. She raised her arms and gathered frost into her fists. The golem shifted forward, slow at first, as though waking from a long sleep. But their massive forms brushed the ceiling of the cave. There was no escape. Sandeep glanced back at the stone. Lohith's face hung just under the surface of the soul stone, his eyes wide with horror, fingers scrambling against the stone. The vein was pulsing with power, drawing the golems toward it. With each wave of energy, 
Sandeep heard Lohis please, the last screams echoing through his skull. He gritted his teeth and took the Gata fully in his hands. A time for anger, he whispered, and Banasuva responded in kind. Seeing what was coming, Rasputina raised her arms and shook the mountain. A blast of cold wind roared through the tunnel, freezing the golems, turning the air to knives. The ceiling shook, and dozens of the smaller stones fell from the darkness, shattering against the floor. The cavern twisted and started to come apart. Quickly, before they recover. Do not command me. I will destroy every one of these monsters and grind their spirits into dust. Sandeep's voice echoed with thunder and fury. He could feel Banasuva's presence, but the spirit would not manifest. The tension between potential and eruption was tearing Sandeep apart. He tasted blood in his mouth and felt ash in his veins. He struck out at the nearest golem, splintering the creature's arm and knocking it back. But there were too many. Their power was too great. For every garment he shattered, two golems filled the gap. Sandeep was slowly forced away from Lohith's struggling form. He stared in powerless horror as the man disappeared deeper into the soulstone vein. You do not have the power you think, Rasputina shouted. Now flee. Sandeep hesitated, and it nearly cost him his life. Rasputina roared, drawing all her might into the room and then pushed outward. The cavern groaned and buckled, then began to collapse. Stones as big as horses fell from the ceiling, crushing golems, nearly choking off the passageway. Rasputina ran, disappearing into the clouds of dust that rose from the collapsing cave. Sandeep gave one last mournful glance at the soul stone, but its shimmering surface showed no sign of Lohith Bart. The man was gone, and his spirit was trying to kill them all. With Banasuva's fury gone, Sandeep sheathed the Garda and dashed into the tumult of falling stone. The golems lashed out at him, but the wily master danced through their gauntlet, emerging in the tunnel beside Rasputina. The woman led him over the still-frozen cavern. Sandeep's feet skidded as he ran across the ice. But then he was in the cramped tunnel beyond, his arms scraping the stone. The ground underfoot flooded with scree. After that, it was a mad dash through the tomb of the earth. They emerged into clear air just as the tunnel collapsed, spraying them with dust and shards of stone. Sandeep rolled to his feet and drew the garda. You tried to use him, he hissed. He came to us for help, and you tried to make a weapon of his soul. Yes, Rasputina answered. She eyed the garda, but made no move to defend herself. As did you. Surely you didn't buy that nonsense about learning control. That man was dead the moment he walked into Malifaux. It was only a question of whose hand landed the blow, and whose purpose it benefited. You could have sent him home with a charm to ward the Garmin, or simple instruction, but you came to me. Because I trusted you, and he trusted me. Well, that's your mistake. She turned to the collapsed entrance and shrugged, and his as well, apparently. Rasputina brushed past him, leaving Sandeep to rage at the empty mine and his own guilt. He stood there a long time, until dusk started to drift into the horizon, 
and the air grew chill. Then he turned and marched down to the raft. The package was wrapped in bright paper and came on the day of the cremation. They had no body to burn, and so Priya and her mother gathered her father's things and laid them on the pyre. It was the best they could do, and far from enough. Once they had cleansed themselves from the smoke, they returned to their quiet home to find the package waiting for them. It has your name on it, her mother said. Priya buried her nose in her sleeve, breathing deeply of the smell of incense and wood smoke. She shook her head. I want nothing to do with that place. Malifaux took my father. There is nothing else it can give me, she said sharply. My mother sighed and tossed the package in the corner, then went to make their dinner. It wasn't until late that night that Priya returned to the package. She had been lying in bed, listening to the wind blow and thinking of her father. She placed the package on the table and unwrapped it, refusing to look at the return address or the name of the sender. She did not want to harbour bitterness toward any man, and she knew she wouldn't be able to forget the name that had been with her father at his death. In the dim light of the dining room, Priya slid the paper away, folding it neatly and then opening the box. There was a slip of paper on top, a note written in a clean hand. It read, The wind took your father, and the wind shall hold him until you meet again. Beneath it was the most beautiful kite Priya had ever seen. The struts were carved in beautiful relief, and the paper was the thousand colours of dawn sky, carefully painted to look like mountains and sun and crowning clouds of gold. She took it delicately from the box and held it up. Her father's name was hidden in the ink, like a gust of wind. Priya turned and placed the kite gently on the fire, watching until the cinders disappeared up the chimney and the wooden struts were nothing but smeared ash. Then she went to bed and slept comfortably through the night. That's it for another episode of the Breachside Broadcast. Join us next time for more Tales of Malifaux.